0: morning City Hope and friends, good to be here, great to see you. Um, uh, As Angela just said, my name's Rebecca, I'm a member of staff here and a member of the preaching team and as many of you will know, we'll be back in the book of Nehemiah today, everyone will know that because it's on the screen, but if you've been here, you know we've been going through the book of Nehemiah now for a number of weeks, I'm really enjoying it, I know lots of people have been really loving this series and I know the preaching team have, which is great, So we are in Nehemiah 8, which might surprise you, because last week we were in Nehemiah 5, Well, remembered. So we've gone fairly slowly through the first part of the book, and now we're just racing on a bit, not because we've had enough, but because the narrative changes slightly, and in order to do the whole story, we don't actually need to go chapter by chapter. So last time as you may remember, Chris Nicholson was preaching about chapter 5. And if you remember, the story of Nehemiah broadly, hence the picture, is a story of Nehemiah and many Israelites returning to Jerusalem and then embarking on a project to rebuild the walls, which had been broken down and left Jerusalem desolate and at risk of invasion. And so Nehemiah's job is to build the walls. And if you've been here listening to the sermons over the weeks, that won't be a surprise or if you've read the book before. But if you remember last week, Chris said that the, the work on the walls seems to stop in chapter five. Now, of course, it's not quite like that because life doesn't go in chapters. But, but chapter five doesn't mention the walls. And the reason it doesn't is because within those walls, something more pressing needed attending to. And that was the behavior and the hearts of the Israelites in Jerusalem and in the surrounding area. You remember, um, Chris talked about them how they'd been selling one another into slavery and extorting money and land from one another and, and Nehemiah needed to stop and address that and say, no, 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 what use are the walls if our hearts are not right? Does that sound familiar? Anybody remember that? It was good, wasn't it? If you didn't hear it, it's online for you to listen to. Now, chapter six, which we're not looking at, uh, we find a little bit of um, more opposition coming against Nehemiah. You mem- remember the old fr- our old friend's uh, well, old enemies, <laughs> Tobiah, Samballa, and Geshem, and others who'd been having a go at the Israelites. Again, they come to Nehemiah in chapter 6, and they try and distract him, really, and they try and trick him, but he doesn't fall for it, because he's our hero. And, uh, and so he carries on. The work on the walls carries on, and in chapter 6, go away and read it, the work on the walls is completed. Anybody know how many days it took to finish the walls? Huh? Somebody said it. 52. 52 days, and the walls are completed. That's quite something, isn't it? Man alive. That happens in chapter 6, which you think, well, hey, that's a, that's a pretty important event. And then chapter 7 is one of those chapters where there's, like, asses of names that you can't really pronounce very well. And So I'm not going to read that one. But feel free to go away and read it on your own. It's not unimportant. It's a record of who the people were who returned. All the people of the exile who came back with the different waves, with Ezra, uh, with Zerubbabel, and with Nehemiah. So it's not unimportant, but it is just a long list of names and families, which if I read it now, you might go to sleep. So we're skipping today to chapter 8. And in chapter 8, you're going to find that uh, we are going to enact in a minute a little bit of something that happens in chapter 8. <coughs> And the problem with preaching series like this is you tend to get given a whole chapter. Or I think, John, next week you've got like three or four chapters, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, And that means I want to read the whole chapter. And then I think, oh, is that too much to read and expect people to stay with me? Well, what you're going to hear about in a minute is the people of Israel stood and listened to the scriptures being read for about six hours. And it says, as you'll hear in a minute... They didn't lose interest. They didn't lose interest. They were there standing, men, women and children, from dawn till noon, paying attention. So we're going to stand up and we're going to pay attention as I read 18 verses. Which shouldn't be too difficult, right? It's on the screen, only it isn't. So Alfredo, if you wouldn't mind uh, clicking on and following for me okay, all the people gathered together in the plaza, which was in front of you. You don't have to read it. I'm going to read it. In this scenario, I'm Ezra. Okay, just go with it. And you're the Israelites. All the people gathered together in the plaza, which was in front of the water gate, one of the gates in the walls of Jerusalem. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which included men and women and all those able to understand what they heard. And this happened on the first day of the seventh month. So, he read it before the plaza in front of the water gate from dawn till noon before the men and women and those children who could understand. All the people were eager to hear the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a towering wooden platform. Do you know, we used, in this building, there used to be one of these towering pulpits that the preacher used to have to walk up it. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that anymore. It was all the way up there. It would have been fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just imagine. Ezra the scribe stood on a towering wooden platform constructed for this purpose. Standing near him on his right were Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maseah. On his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbanadar, Zechariah, and Meshullam. Even got a mint in. That was (laughs) I didn't mean that to happen. Rookie error. I took a mint. Ezra opened the book. I don't have a book. I should have brought a book up. He opened the book. In view of all the people, for he was elevated above all the people. There were a lot more of them than there are of you. When he opened the book, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people replied, replied, "Amen." Amen, Amen. As they lifted their hands, they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Yeshua, Bani, Sherabai, Yemen, Akub, Shabbatai, Hadiah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah that's just a bunch of guys who are Levites they were teaching the people the law as the people remained standing. So they read from the book of God's law, explaining it and imparting insight. Thus the people gained understanding from what was read. I hope you know that's what we're trying to do here every Sunday when we stand on this towering wooden platform. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priestly scribe, and the Levites who were imparting understanding to the people, said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping when they heard the words of the law. He said to them, Go and eat delicacies and drink sweet drinks, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day, is holy to our Lord do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength then the Levites quieted all the people saying be quiet for this day is holy do not grieve so all the people departed to eat and drink and to share their food with others and to enjoy tremendous joy for they had gained insight in the matters that had been made known to them On the second day of the month, so all of that happened on the first day of the seventh month, if you remember. On the second day, the family leaders met with Ezra the scribe, together with all the people, the priests and the Levites, to consider the words of the law. And they discovered written in the law that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should make a proclamation and disseminate this message in all their cities and in Jerusalem. Go to the hill country and bring back olive branches and branches of wild olive trees, myrtle trees, date palms and other leafy trees to construct temporary shelters as it is written. So the people went out and brought these things back and constructed temporary shelters for themselves, each a, each on his roof, in his courtyard, in the courtyards of the temple of God and in the plaza of the water gate and the plaza of the Ephraim gate. So all the assembly, which had returned from the exile, constructed temporary shelters and lived in them. The Israelites had not done so from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that very day. Everyone experienced very great joy. Ezra read in the book of the Lord, day by day, not just on the first day, from the first day to the last, seven days, they observed the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, they held an assembly as was required. Good. Thank you for your part in that. Have a seat. okay so what we've heard then is the people have returned as we know they've built the walls great there's much rejoicing over the finishing of the walls and then we're in the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar and they're all gathered in Jerusalem so people have come from far and wide not just the people living in the city but the Israelites living in the towns surrounding and they've come together come together because it's actually a festival day in the in the Jewish calendar but what they do of course now they're returned now they're regrouped now they're walls are sorted out is they attend to what? They attend to the word of God. So they attend to the scripture and to what God says. And it struck me that it's very easy, isn't it, to say, well, it's important to know the scripture. It's important to know what God has said. And the very simple reason that's important is because God's word will tell you what is God's heart. And if if we want to know God's heart, which I think we do, I certainly do, then we need to attend to what he says. And so the people attend to what he says and they let Ezra read it and others explain it and help to impart insight for hours on end and they give attention to it. And so there's three things I just quickly want to look at today. There's loads more. You should go, definitely go away and read this. I do hope people are reading Nehemiah and, and the preceding book, Ezra, which they both go together because it's so helpful we can only bring out a little bit here on a Sunday morning But there's so much uh, to learn from the word. so I'm going to bring out three things that hopefully are going to help us hearing and understanding the scripture leads to three things in this chapter the first is grief and mourning over sin so the reason that the Levites have to tell the people to be quiet is because in their culture mourning is very loud we might be, some of us, certainly people from my background, we might do grief and mourning in a different way. But here, the reason they're told to be quiet is because they're expressing their grief and their mourning loudly. It says all the people are weeping. All of them are there gathered in this square and they're all just weeping and wailing and they have to be told to be quiet. And the reason they're told to be quiet is because this actually, the first day of the seventh month, is a festival day in the calendar. It's a day for rejoicing. It's not because weeping is always inappropriate. It's because on this occasion, the Levites said, no, no, not, this is not the time. However, grief and mourning is a natural response of the people to hearing the law of Moses, their scriptures, and recognizing their own sin. And recognizing that in this part of their history, they have failed to attend to the commands of God. They have failed to give attention and value to the word. They've failed to listen and they've failed to obey, as we'll see in a minute, some of the things that God has clearly said to them. And as they hear it, and as, as the scripture just said, as they receive understanding, the response in them is grief and mourning over their own short fallings and over the way they've just not paid attention to God's word and therefore God's heart. That's the first thing that we get their first response. The second response, marvelously, then after that experience, is what do they do? So they change, they obey the words. They they mourn over their own shortcomings and their understanding that they've not paid attention to God's heart and God's commands. So, so what do they do? They start obeying the commands. So we see actually, even when the Levites say to them, No, 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 qu- calm down. This is a day for rejoicing. And he says to them, do you Remember, go away, eat delicacies and drink sweet drinks. Do you know the original language that this is written in actually the the literal translation is go eat the fat which I quite like I like that (laughs) go eat the fat and drink sweet things and uh, that's going to become (laughs) it's become a little bit of a saying in our house this week go eat the fat go eat the fat go eat rich things go celebrate go send um, food and drink to people who haven't got go and express the joy of celebration that God has told you to do. So they do it. That's their response. They, they obey. And then we also read about the festival of shelters, which sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? When you actually think about going out and bringing li- and branches back and going camping out for seven days in a sort of makeshift tent, either in a square in the city or on your roof. I and mean, most of us don't have flat roofs. That really wouldn't work. And if you live in a block of flats with a flat roof, then... Go for, go for it. <laughs> pop, pop to the park. Well, that was around this time of year, actually. A bit, it's a bit more chilly, I guess, for us. But they build these shelters, and that is an ordinance of God. It's a command of God, and it's not pointless. It's a memorial that God gave them uh, when they, uh, to remember that exodus. Now, if you know the story of exodus... Uh, It's when God performed a miraculous rescue plan for the people of Israel to leave Egypt where they were enslaved. And he brought them out. And then they spent a long time in the desert where they did live in temporary shelters. And God provided and God protected. And this festival, therefore, is is to remember that. It's a memorial of what God had done and a reminder of what God would do, of God's ongoing faithfulness. So they obey. And the third and the best bit is their response to hearing the scripture expounded is rejoicing. God says, through his word, rejoice. Go eat the fat, people. Rejoice. I was going to put, rather than rejoice, I was going to put party, but I thought that might be a bit too, I might get accused of levity. Rejoice. So grief and mourning over sin is not, is not unfitting for us as the people of God but neither is rejoicing and those two things are not strange bedfellows although sometimes to us I think it feels like maybe they are maybe that's my kind of white British uptightness I think to some degree it is um, and I was thinking about analogies of things that are both weighty and solemn but also so joyful and there are analogies and the classic one that came to my mind is, is a wedding I'm guessing we've all been to a wedding And uh, I think the preacher often, the minister often says, depends on on the book he's using, this is a solemn occasion. It's a solemn occasion. If you see the groom sweating at the front before it all happens, you know it's a solemn occasion, isn't it? It's a weighty, solemn thing. But there is so much joy.